0: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Keith Gelhorn, and I own uh, advocacy. Uh, the reason for this chat today is all about uh, ADHD Awareness Month, uh, which I have been working on since I moved here. And over the years, um, uh, through the channels, I guess, that I was been fortunate enough to hang out in, uh, I was introduced to Teamwork Cooperative in 2013 when I moved down from uh, Truro down to um, the city and I ended up winning an award through a sister organization called Entrepreneurs Uh with Disability Network so I won Entrepreneur of the Year. Part of the thing with winning that was uh, I got to sit on a board of directors where I met the old executive director Janice Ainsworth and uh, Janice promptly introduced me very quickly to Marcus who was I don't know what your role as manager of something back then. And, and what it all started off was being is um, I had all these post-secondary students that I was coaching. And as soon as the the spring summer would roll around, the anxiety would go up because of a big change that was happening with between going from school to work. So I was like, well, I'm not an expert in, in this. There's uh, Nova Scotia works locations all over Nova Scotia that do stuff for free. Why don't I pass students off to them? So that's where it all started. And i I've probably passed, I don't know hundreds of <laughs> hundreds of I uh, referred hundreds of people in, but then the neat thing that also happened on a, on a mutually beneficial thing was that they their caseworkers were also kind of new to how this all was working, and I've been working with them for a long time. And so a lot of the time I was contracted back in to support. Uh, both the individual going, uh, transitioning into the workplace, but also the caseworkers and understanding how best to support them. And that partnership or collaboration has been going on since, yeah, 2013. So almost, yeah, nine years now. Uh, wow. Anyways, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, super appreciative of it. Uh, why don't we just take some time right now? We can go through and can each person uh, uh, introduce themselves, what the roles are, and then after that, we're going to start with uh, Matthew and work our way up from what he does all the way up to Dave, and go from there.
1: Cool. I'll I'll, I'll go first if that's okay. And, and yeah. uh, Keith, I'd be a little careful saying the old. Executive Director, I know Janice. She may say like the former, (laughs) the former. (laughs) Yeah. Mouth
0: instantly. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm only I'm only speaking from experience. I've been scolded many times. But oh no, (laughs) who you calling old? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm Marcus Jameson, the Executive Director for uh, Teamwork Cooperative, Nova Scotia Works, and I've been with Teamwork uh, since 2008. I started as an Employment Support Practitioner. Uh, with a program there that provides support to uh, people who with disabilities who uh, get the job and then we provide support afterwards so uh, and then I've had uh, you know various management type jobs and in 2020 I became the uh, executive director so just really excited to be here and to have this discussion with uh, with Keith. I've known Keith since the very beginning 2013-2012 uh, probably Um, when uh, he started putting this all together. And it's been uh, really enjoyable to see Keith on this journey, but also just the the amazing support that um, he's able to provide to all the uh, clients that come through, through through teamwork. So really happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Actually, let's go to Dave because Dave has been, uh, yeah, you've not only, you've got your role at teamwork. He used to be the funding manager. Now he runs Metrability, but Um, Dave is massively influential right from day one in helping me figure out how to, as a neurodivergent individual, I live with ADHD, anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, sleep disorders, a whole whack of problems uh, or a whole whack of differences, not problems. Um, But Dave was really instrumental in helping me navigate um, as a neurodivergent individual how to basically be a contractor because i had no idea what the heck i was doing and i still there's still lots of pieces about the process that definitely marcus has been a lot and i'll just say everybody's been instrumental in helping me figure this out but but yeah let's go with dave uh can you tell us about yourself
2: sure thanks keith and uh i, I guess one thing i would like to say is like whether you're neuro, neurodivergent or not you know what we all need some assistance sometimes and uh Having a place like Teamwork Cooperative was really great back then because a lot of us who were out, out there in the community in that that really wanted to sort of see the uh, sort of diversity and inclusion made a great home for us where we could we got to work with some fantastic clients such as yourself, Keith, who uh, you call it differences or whatever. I just call, call it working with people, and everybody at some point or another needs a little direction. I certainly had that when I was uh, first becoming an entrepreneur at one time. I had people who helped me. Definitely when I got into the not-for-profit, there were people who helped me along. I definitely have to uh, mention also Janice Ainsworth. Uh, She was uh, phenomenal. And Lois Miller, who was with uh, Independent Living Nova Scotia. They took the time to teach me. So I really appreciate that. So I have done a couple of different things at uh, Teamwork. At one time, I was uh, sort of, we'll call the handy person, going around hanging up pictures and stuff like that. (laughs) But uh, my actual job was at that time, I did uh, client finance. So I got exposed to a lot of different individuals. And really sort of like what you could say is a barrier sometimes for people with disabilities is finances, Okay.
3: What I found is that
2: there's not a lot of disability-related issues. There are more societal issues in that. But definitely something that seems to come along with disability a lot of times is there can be financial barriers. So it was great to be part of a team that was just really trying to do everything that we could to help support the uh, clients come in, to be able to move forward in employment because we know how important employment is. Employment's one of the biggest connections to our communities that we can have. So now, uh, fortunate enough to work with a program called Mentorability. You'll see it on my t shirt and Keep Work Cooperative. I've got to put a plug in for being <laughs> Disability Employer Awareness Month. So, with uh, Mentorability, what we try to do is uh, help people with disabilities get uh, real sort of good information about careers they might be interested in. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later, but I'm gonna pass it off to Matthew.
3: Take myself off mute. All right, hi, uh, I'm Matthew Jamison. I am the Nova Scotia work school liaison for Citadel and Dartmouth High um, from Teamwork Cooperative here. Um, I started with teamwork back in about 2011. and uh, I've had a few roles there as well. Um, I was originally an employment support practitioner, uh, was part of the Go3D program. And again, I also um, am somebody who lives with um, ADD and dyslexia um, is a part of the way I navigate through life. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a good experience, all in all, ups and downs and challenges. But um you know, through those experiences, they helped inform me and gave me a lot of strength that I've been able to utilize in all my positions. So, you know, a lot of times people, we like to focus on the negatives, the barriers, and we don't, you know, and what I try to do for my clients is point out that, you know, each of those things are also strengths when okay. utilized the right way. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: 100%. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that too. How about you, Kendra? Kendra's. Oh, mind. geez.
4: Well, I've I've um I'm very grateful to Teamworks for helping me get back, get find this job that was perfect for me. Um late diagnosis, ADHD, and I am also autistic. I mean that checks all the boxes. Took a long time to figure it out. And then it was a struggle to figure out. Where I could fit, where I could use my strengths and be, be as be what I can be. And TeamWorks was awesome in giving me the opportunity to have the wage subsidy to get the job experience. And Keith is a phenomenal employer in terms of not just saying that you are accessible and understand disability, but actually creating a space. Where you're not mm-hmm. punished for not being able to do things uh, exactly in the straight line is me. So it's it's a phenomenal experience for me. And I'm really grateful to everyone that has helped me um to get here. So
0: well, you're just gonna make me cry. That's nice. Oh. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's just so it's just so nice. That's awesome.
1: It's so it's so right. nice
4: to flip the script from Failing because you couldn't fit into this round hole, and really, you needed. Mm-hmm. You just you were just not on the right board. Yeah. And it's been really fantastic uh for me to finally get in the right space. Yeah, and I'm really grateful.
1: Yeah, thank, thank you, you for you, sharing, Kendra. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask Kendra, what are some challenges you have faced over over the years? <laughs> if you're comfortable sharing, if not, I'll, I'll be happy to do it because I live with the stuff too. <laughs> but what what are some challenges that that uh, have come up over the years in traditional employment, nine to five, straight line, clock in, clock out kind of work. What what have you found um, where you've, where you've struggled or gone offline or people just don't understand how to support? You? I,
4: um, when I was doing official social work stuff with my, in that kind of traditional way that you do it, I, um, what I was actually doing for my clients was peer support without realizing that that's what I was doing. They are big on hierarchies and power differences and I'm the boss and you're this other person and this is how this has to happen. And when they couldn't explain the reason to me, I had trouble following the rule when it seemed like, Mm -hmm. aren't you just punishing someone? and that's arbitrary and you don't really have to do it that way. You're mm-hmm. not actually supporting vulnerable people. Uh, and I I can't just keep my mouth shut and do what I'm told when it's something that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I I had conflict um yeah, I had conflict sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did I didn't ag- I didn't agree with the way the system was set up. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like it hurt people and I didn't agree with it so yeah it. I so, had some marks on my file <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> so and I can relate 100% to that I left more jobs like this than I did uh, with anything else without even thinking about it it was just like you know it was again the hierarchy hierarchical way um, I, as, uh, Kendra was saying, I hate hierarchy. Like I like collaboration. I think you do a lot more in collaboration. I have to sometimes be the boss. That's what I've had the hardest time being where you actually have to get out and make the decisions. But, um, but that, that's the same way as me and it doesn't quite work great in a lot of work situations. anyways what i want to do do at this point thanks for sharing so much uh kendra what i want to do at this point is basically talk about adhd through the ages so within my company um basically we coach uh high school students uh we coach around post-secondary transition post-secondary students uh people who are in career transition i'm not a career coach but i do stuff around the executive function on that side and also um also entrepreneurs. So we actually have a great gamut of people in here that will feed this all in. So I want to start with you, Matthew, and your new role. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about your new role uh, as a school liaison officer and what that means and what you do?
3: Um, Well, the Nova Scotia Works school liaison position um, basically is bringing all the expertise and services of the Nova Scotia Work system into the high school for the students, faculty, um, and families. So that could be um, skills development aspects. It can be resume writing, job applications. I'm currently working on recruiting um, different industry uh, sector employers um, to come into the high school to present for students um, that aren't able to participate in the take your kid to work day. Um, and things like that. And then working, um, I've already started, it's, I'm only new to the position. It started in August for me. Um, but I've already been working with several students. And I mean, it's really supporting them in just learning about the diversity when it comes to employment options and the way to follow your career paths, as well as, you know, exploring what are the ways that you function best? You know, what are those tools that you want to utilize to help you do your best performance, whether that's with school or you're looking at employment as a part-time job, or you're thinking about the career you want? What are the things you enjoy? How do you process, relate information your best way possible? And identifying those tools. And then also, um, I share a lot of my own personal experience with it so it's also like normalizing the experiences that you know sometimes things will fail and that's not a bad thing that's a great great learning opportunity Um, we all learn usually more from our failures than we do from our successes Um, and you know when it comes to like the ADHD disability factors it's about identifying okay with this disability like with myself what are the strengths to come with it? You know, and how do I utilize those to the maximum? and if there are some weakness areas and what are my tools that nullify that? So if I'm using myself as an example, it would be like, well, I, I've timed and I've looked at how I focus and where my focus breaks, and what are the factors that breaks my focus? So I'll hyper focus, so I'm very productive for a good like depending on life circumstances, like how much sleep I got and different things like that. I'm usually like good 45 minutes to an hour and 20. I got like really productive, hyper-focused thing on this one material I'm working on. When I hit that limit, that's when I, I stop being productive if I try to keep doing the same thing or keep working in the same environment. So it's like, well, what will shift me back into that hyper-focused state? Is it changing my environment, moving to a different space? Is it changing my physical position of standing? Is it switching what I'm working on? So rather than working on, i use the school context. If I'm doing my English homework, okay, if I've hit my focus limit on my English, what happens if I use a different part of my brain and switch to math? Well, then I can find that I'm getting back into that hyper-focused state. Or do I need to, like, switch it up physically and, okay, I've done all the writing I can do. Now maybe I've pre-recorded some of the notes I need to study. Let me put my headphones in and listen to them while I walk around so I'm getting that physical stimuli. So it's really helping youth to identify how do I take in information? How do I retain it the best and then make a plan around utilizing those skills? And where the gaps are is I know that that object permanence for me with my ADD is a thing. So if it's not in front of me, if I don't have those reminders, it doesn't exist. It will never exist until somebody shoves it in my face. So how do I compensate for that? Well, i make sure. Anything important, it goes into my calendar. I also have alarms for it, so if I don't look at my calendar, I get the cue to look at my calendar, and I know that I'll do two alarms because the first one I'll acknowledge. Okay, that's there, but I'm still stuck here, so let me just finish this second reminder. Okay, yeah, now I really got to follow through on that and make sure I'm addressing it. So it's it's helping students find those tools hopefully um, earlier in their life. I worked as an ESP with. Um, a lot of individuals with those same kind of challenges who didn't get to identify them earlier. And so they're now identifying them. And I was the same way. I didn't get my diagnosis till I was in my like thirties to really help me. I had come up with some of the strategies luckily on my own already, but really having that diagnosis and identifying, pinpointing, and fine tuning them was crucial. And so a lot of those older clients I work with, they're getting them now, but they're kind of behind in that, you know, expected life journey from where their peers or where they feel like they should be. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity and give some of these these students these tools and these these strategies earlier so that they can have a longer stint of their life to be able to work at their best and so they can perform their best.
0: What, what are some of the things that you're seeing now in the schools or just in general when kids are coming out of school um, that maybe they haven't quite considered in terms of uh, um, barriers that might get in their way or whatever. Um, I know, I know at the post-secondary level, um, what I see the most is uh, students that are coming up that, you know, just kind of there's, they skirt by, we'll put it that they either skirt by their yeah. parents are helping them do their homework. They, or they never have to do any homework. They have a thing in Nova Scotia. It's like no student left behind. So there's no real deadlines. And all it does, the minute they hit university, they are hooped. They have no idea how to manage their time, organization. They don't know how to communicate. Um, it, it's like a massive barrier. So what do you see as some of the barriers or nervousness? <laughs> That's a lot of nesses uh, <laughs> that uh, some of these people are experiencing.
3: Ooh, I mean, you covered most of them. Yes. It's really implementing all their strategies earlier and developing those strategies earlier. Um, because a lot of them are kind of like you said, they can get caught up in that cycle of the system of we just have to move these kids through. It's good enough for now, but they're not getting set up um with the best tools for university or for the real work world. Okay. Um, you know, you can show up late to class and they're getting a pass. You can turn in your assignment late. You might let that slip by, but once you get into the the world outside of, of high school, um, the longer assignment slate, the more points you're being docked, or it's not being accepted. You turn in that report, um, or you miss that due date in your job, it's directly impacting your performance and p- possibly creating issues where you might not be able to keep that job. So it's really in. It's, I think, a thing for youth in general and pressing on them the importance of thinking about that, not just for now, but also for the future. Um, And that's a lot of my work, too, is getting trying to get students to think about, okay, what are the things you're interested in? What do you want to do maybe in your future and getting them to think about that now? Because there's things like if you want to be a lawyer. There is things that a student could do in grade nine that's gonna help and prepare them moving through high school, that's gonna put them in a better space when they start their undergraduate, that's gonna put them in a better space by the time they get to law school. Um, So it's, yeah, I think getting, one of the biggest trends is, and it's it's supported somewhat within the schools and the teachers and other faculty is getting students to, especially now think a little more forward Mm-hmm. about what they want to do and what they can do now to impact that positively. Awesome. If that answers. I've sticks. got a,
1: I've got a, I can speak to that a little bit. Cause I have two sons and, or three sons in, in high and in elementary junior high and high school. Oh, two, awesome. of them, two of them have a, have ADHD and, and pretty severe learning challenges as well. And um, the, the, the uh, teachers do great. I love the teachers and stuff, but they don't always get the support and they don't have the teachers don't have the understanding of how to support um, someone with learning challenges in the class. So they're at risk of being missed. And for our sons, they don't have any behavioral problems. There's no, you know, they're not going to they're not going to get sent home for being bad or anything like that. So they could very easily fall through the cracks, especially if there's no consequences for missing an assignment. So when my son who's in grade 10 comes home and says, yeah, I got to sign, but you know, it's supposed to do tomorrow, but it doesn't really matter. I can get it in by Friday or one day next week, or just by the end of yeah. the term. Well, that's not really how life works. So we have to implement that as parents, which is fine, but um, it's not really preparing this younger generation for what the reality is when they, when they leave school. But there's also that, that other nuance of being flexible and understanding and providing that support, which isn't always there either.
3: Yeah. And helping build that confidence in them that they can do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With
3: the right approach and the right yeah. strategies. Um, like I had one young woman I was working with some recently who um, is looking for work and, you know, just just finished a job at a fast food place. She left. Um, but didn't have her own resume. She was using her friend's resume and you know, <laughs> pressing upon her, oh yeah, that worked. Um, but she did have a couple other interviews that she never got calls back for. And I had to be like, honest, I'm like, well, there's a good chance because that's not your resume and it doesn't really reflect who you are and you don't have those experiences that are on there when they're talking to you, they might be seeing through that that resume might get you into the interview but you know you haven't done this aspect of volunteer work so when they're asking you questions about that like sometimes they're going to be able to see through that you don't really have that experience yeah so I worked and sat down with her and really kind of broke down what experiences have you had okay you did some work with your sister that's actually a work experience You know what I mean? She paid you for it. That's a work experience. Let's get that on there. And what did you do there? And really helping her identify what are the skills? What were the things she learned in that position? Because for a lot of youth, I mean, they do it and they just, they've done it. and They they haven't grown yet or developed that um, analytical part of the mind to know that, okay, I have to look at the work I've done and then I have to dissect what all my tasks were, what were the pieces of my role that are transferable or essential skills that make me valuable.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: And showing them that they have strengths, they have knowledge and they have value to a yeah. employer.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I see when they do come out of high school, and it's really cool that this program does exist because this has only been something that's been implemented probably in the last couple of years. I know Charlene Tasco does the stuff out in uh, Millbrook. I get, I, I and I have Good. started taking clients. I've got referrals from her, in the high schools, for parents who are also, um, I was going to say, a lot of the people that do have ADHD, it's second, and I just learned this from my buddy Dr. Gurdit Bahar from the uh, Adult ADHD Center, just to throw this out, because uh, this is part of the partnership stuff that I'm doing with him. But he said, second to height, ADHD is the most inheritable trait there is. So it's yeah. about 80% likely that if your kid has ADHD, either you or, or your partner does as well and uh, so what I see a lot of is the so the parents both the kids and their parents are both uh, challenged we'll put it that way in even navigating how to get in because it's so paperwork driven process driven how to get into the school there's so many people you have to meet with there's so much information you have to know and uh, especially as a person with disability and so speaking as as from uh, somebody who works in the school so currently we have uh, actually we just added three more so we're over up over 70 students right now uh, between myself Alana and Kendra and Michelle who I just rehired after my 2019 debacle Uh, but anyways uh, anyways uh, yes we're up to over 70 students and and so a lot of it is coming from the parents because the parents, when I talk to them on the phone, I'm like, you've got as many challenges as the kid does. So so there's there's that whole piece of it. But when the kids do come through, um, like I've got one right now, brilliant guy, straight A student in high school. But I asked him, I was like, okay, you got straight A's. And I also asked him, uh, like, how was your school experience? He's like, I skipped 300 days of school. And he was, and he was an honors student, right? He did that not only grade 11 but or sorry, yeah, grade 11 and grade 12, you know, uh, basically all of it. And then he came into NSCC, he's doing um engineering technologist, which is like the hardest course you could possibly go into. And uh, he's like, you know, and it's now getting hard, which of course it does, right? Uh, basically, how the school works is exactly like this so at NSCC and the universities. First week, nothing happens. It's like, let's play around and have fun. Second week, let's talk about the course and how it's going to be. Third week plus a day is the day that you can draw, withdraw and get 95% of your money back. But, um, you know, nothing's happened. So nobody drops out, right? Now they're over the line. Now it's just a whammo, right? Here's a, here's a more homework and assignments and group projects and everything that you've seen in your entire life. Plus the fact, oh, you got a disability. Okay, so the bare minimum you're going to get is, uh, you know, writing exams in a a room. So in order to do that, you've got to go down to the library, get a piece of paper, go to your teacher, get him to sign it, take Mm -hmm. the piece of paper down to the library, have it signed, make sure all the things are timed amongst the other kajillion things that you have to remember and, uh, so what we see, like, and I'm sure Matt, all, all of us that are neurodivergent yeah. can relate to this, you know, we come into this new project, yeah, this year is going to be different, right? You might have your fancy binder. You might have your, your, like, now I have like a thousand of these pilot friction pens that I use, right? Because I lose them all the time. Um, you might have those, uh, and you're, you're like, oh, this is good. You know, nothing's really going on October. Like, holy crap. <laughs> right everything's coming down the pipe and if you don't have as an organizational method in place by november you crash and burn and then it's up to your parents and your friends and everybody around you to pull you up and hopefully get you through through the mess uh to the next to the next uh semester or next uh next uh yeah next semester um anyway so you go through this process of all these ups and downs and with us we hope we we help very we're all about preventative maintenance so instead of waiting until november to deal with it let's start with them in um we start with them in september uh right from the get-go we like you know we we get all their course outlines in we put them into this program that we use called coach accountable so we can see what's coming up for the semester but so can they uh we basically lay everything out and then everything from there on out is like let's look at like uh, what's due at the end of the semester, down month to month, week to week, um, day to day and half hour to half hour. We schedule everything out. We just keep keep it going. We look at both from a school perspective, but also from a personal perspective. On the personal perspective side of things, um, I'm going to ask Matt or Kendra to answer this. What's the biggest variable on the personal side of things that could impact whether you're going to be successful, regardless of it's school, work or whatever? Or anything else? Anybody want to take a guess at what what the biggest, I'll say, emotional factor <laughs> would give you a little hint uh, might be to help you be successful?
4: Um. Well, in terms of who I'm coaching, the there is a clear difference between the subject that someone has chosen and whether it's a strong interest or whether it's just uh, something that they chose. Um, And the students that are strongly, naturally interested in their subject are um, doing better, obviously academically. Um, But they're still facing a lot of challenges. I have several clients with major secondary health challenges. So um, got the accommodations, didn't realize that you have to set it up a week in advance and take the exactly what you described. So, Oh, they heard someone say something about an assessment. They wrote it in their notes. They forgot to check it. So they missed a whole chunk (laughs) of this online piece because they, they heard it, but didn't register the information. And I've got a client who I think is battling an addiction and a client who just lost a family member and so there's lots of um it's all the emotional if it was only academic challenges and learning and changing but it's all of the things happening at once mm-hmm. and they they're all expressing that they don't feel they have enough time to uh process all of the things that they have to do not just with school but just in life
1: I love that I've, yeah. I've read have over the years that someone might be struggling with school, but it actually isn't an academic thing or a learning thing. It's actually the emotional thing that's going on that's affecting their ability to do their work, right? And that's often missed. Yeah. That's a great point, Kendra.
0: Yeah, that that's the the biggest yeah. piece that I wanted to share in the transition. So I, I will, you know, once we get the people through the school, so we we build up, we we highly focus on the emotional side, the emotional roller coaster. Mm. I live with it too. I have two versions of me. One is this, where I'm happy-go-lucky, easy-going, whatever else. The other one is, like, I don't have a flipping clue what's going on. Marcus has seen a lot of that in the last year for me because – um uh, I'm struggling with some process things that are happening that, and with no process, I don't know what to do. Right. I, I created a process. I stick to it. And if you saw my schedule, I'm the most regimented person you've ever seen. I go eight 30 to nine 15, nine to 10, 15, all the way through the day. And it's just like, bam, 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 bam. Throw one thing wrinkle into the loop. I don't know what to do. Right. And same with big change. So that's the next thing I want to talk about. So is the change factor. So, So we get the students all eased into into college or university. Um, We get them through the programs. Most of the students stay with us. And just a point of reference, this year, um, we have 100% funding currently for post-secondary students who self-identify as people with disabilities. And um, so, yeah, so you can start with us first year and you continue us as long as you want, right, all the way through the journey. However, the journey then ends and once the journey ends uh what i wasn't doing initially was uh figure out like the next step but um but i was like you know noticing that a lot of people were struggling with this career transition and i didn't know any like i'm not a career coach so i'm not i don't do anything that i don't know how to do writing resumes is boring for me <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> and uh cover letters and all the stuff so luckily i met uh the people from teamwork and off it went so basically now we we refer anybody in the city of halifax all of them get referred to teamwork in february and they get a big influx and everybody outside we send them to uh um, other nova scotia works locations and across canada we figured out where the equivalent versions of those are so they go they have somewhere to go they're not just dropped on the butt and that's going to be a theme that we'll talk about so when they get to teamwork, what happens, Marcus? <laughs> we help them get a job.
3: Okay.
1: That's just it. No, now, we um well, we're a rather large organization about 35 people. Um, and we have a number of programs, which I'll I'll talk about in a sec, but our core services is our case management, job development, and employment support uh, services. So when if once Keith is uh, refers someone to us and they're close to the end of their schooling, they would get assigned a case manager and that case manager do an intake in what we call the needs assessment. And that basically is just looking at what the barriers are, what the challenges are, what the experience, what the education, what the person wants to do, what's their dream job, what's the more realistic job maybe right now. And we go through all that and, and, and work out what we call a return to work action plan. So someone coming out of school, it might be a little bit more clear of what they may want to do because they've got a, you know they get an engineering degree or they're a mechanic or they're whatever it might be. And we would help them with that. But for some people, it's not quite as clear of what they want to do, even if they are coming out of school. And we have a career, a career counselor on staff that will work with that and, develop and go through some career exploration and look at uh, you know, your strengths and your challenges and, and figure out what the next steps are. But for many, um, they can enter into job development. And to help them prepare for job development, we have uh, a bunch of workshops. We have uh, resume, cover letter, um, interview prep. Um, what are some other ones? I can't even think of them all right now. We have tons and tons of workshops. How to Talk self-disclose. About, yeah, just, that's what I was going to say. Our Talking About Disability is one of our flagship ones that we've done for years. And that's the important conversation uh, that you might have to do with an employer is around the disclosure piece. Uh, yeah. for someone with an invisible disability that's a big 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 deal um, and how do you go about that when do you when do you have that conversation and how do you have that conversation and um, you know how do you put a positive um, uh, take a positive approach with it and what are you asking for uh, so that's a that's a big moment a lot it's a lot of fear an legitimate fear from mm-hmm. individuals of disclosure um, now we we encourage everyone that comes to disclose but it's absolutely a personal decision so it's not something that um, you have to do or require to do if you're comfortable then you should and if you're not then you shouldn't and you should wait until that moment uh, if if it comes up Uh, but we have a couple of job developers that help you with your job search they work one-on-one with you with job matching reaching out to employers getting connected to employers bringing jobs forward and they also will um, uh, reach out to employers on your on your behalf one of the things that we do its a little bit unique to our service and some of the other Nova Scotia works around the province is we do some job, job carving. So as Matt was saying, there's certain things he does really well and other things that you too, Keith, like, I don't like doing resume writing. So oh. <laughs> we would, <clears throat> for individuals that have a really strong interest in something and are really, really good at but not so good at other things, we will go and work with an employer to carve that out so we can maximize their, their strengths. And we've got lots of really cool stories around that. And there's just one I'll share with you really quickly is one with um, Cineplex up in uh, Bears Lake, we had, had an individual who started work there and when we first went up, we said, you know, what, what are the jobs that, that, you know, that, are, that are there that people just can't get to that no one really likes that, you know, that you might need some support with or might need someone with. They said, you know, that that area over there with all the condiments, you know, the butter and and all that. He said, we would love to have someone that could just focus on that, get that cleaned up, and keep it nice and pristine. While uh, when it's when it's really busy, he said, hmm. They said, but um, you know, everyone that works with us has to work cash. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So there we had this individual that was really wanting to work with theaters, loved to to clean and and just like hands-on type of stuff, but there was no way he was interested working with cash. So we worked with Cineplex to carve that job out so that all that he was doing was working in that condiment section.
0: Wow.
1: And he ended up being one of the best employees. They, when we went back up six months later, we had a, he had a job coach and, and lots of supports and stuff, whatnot. I don't want to tell the whole story for the sake of time. But when we went back up, we said, how are things are going? They're like, you're going great. We'd like to have 10 more of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up. He works hard. I said, the only issue we have is that when we put a call out for jobs, He tries to take every single one of them uh, or calls out for shifts. He tries to take out every single shift, (laughs) including the manager's shift. (laughs) Um, But that's job carving. That's how we, you know, so if if you don't fit typical or not aligned with typical job descriptions, we will take what your strengths are and try to find a position for you that maximizes that. And we have our employment support practitioners, which is the job that I started in in 2008, and is the job that Matt did for a long time. And that's for someone like this individual at, at Cineplex who needs post-employment support. So they get the job, and they need support, um, you know, learning the job, with that transition, with uh, making re- developing relationships at the at the workplace. All that stuff the employment uh, support practitioners do. The other piece that they do, which is really important, is they work with employers. So often when someone with a disability is starting in the workplace, it's not so much about them, it's more about the employer and helping them adapt, helping them develop some strategies, helping them to walk through those accommodations or whatever it might be. So that it's kind of almost like a 50-50 and sometimes a little bit more 70% the employer and 30% the new person starting. Um, and then we have, uh, we have a number of funding models that we can get people attached to the wage subsidies, which, uh, Keith mm. mentioned a few times, uh, that, and, and, Kendra, I think you were a benefit of yeah. that, yep. which we, uh, fully utilize. And then we have, um, some programs and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll wait to do the mentability program last, Dave, and I'll let you explain the mentability, but, um, we have a self-employment program for persons with disabilities, and it's a pilot project that we just started uh, two last year, actually. And we have a coordinator for that, a program coordinator, a senior business coach, and two business support practitioners. And that's for a person with disabilities who want to start a business from scratch and individuals that already have a business who need support. So right now we have a total of 63 individuals who are going through that program. The majority of them are the ones that started business from scratch and they are in the program for uh, 52 weeks. They get a living wage and a grant up to $2,500. So it's a really, really cool program. That's a pilot project Mm. that we're hoping to continue after 2024. Um, We have a skills development accessibility coordinator, which supports persons with disabilities who get Uh, who go into post-secondary education who need supports? So, as you were explaining, Keith, when someone comes out of high school and they're not quite prepared for NSCC, that's where we come in and help them get prepared, help the school get prepared, help the parents get prepared, um, get a psych ed if that is needed, make sure all the accommodations and supports are in place, make sure everything is all set up to prevent someone dropping out three months later or at the end of the first term. And we work quite closely with NSCC with uh, with that program. Um, trying to think, oh, our Career Link program is for a wage subsidy uh, for persons with disabilities who uh, have a degree or diploma or certificate in a post post secondary school who cannot find employment in their in their chosen profession. So our our favorite example is in our first year when we ran this, but I think it's our fourth year now. We had an individual who. Was an engineering student at Dalhousie. He was fourth in his class. He was on the autism spectrum and he had over 200 interviews without a job offer. And he was working at Sobey's pushing carts. Wow. So through the CareerLink program, we were able to get connected to an engineering firm. Uh, he was hired. And he is still there to this day. And his salary went from being a cart pusher, which I don't know how much that was, but it wouldn't be all that great, probably, to making uh, $70,000 a year as an engineer. And he's still doing that to this day. So that's kind of what that program is there for, is to ensure that individuals get fair opportunities for the uh, employment that they're trained in or that they studied. Can you talk about
0: the, uh, the ability employers to, I don't know, if, is that still a thing?
1: Yeah, it's still a thing we haven't met in quite some time, but that was a group of employers that came together to talk about, uh, originally it was uh, to address challenges that persons with disabilities had um, accessing employment. So it was an employer, a peer driven group that would discuss different, um, you know, different strategies, different challenges, pool resources. Um, and they ran a employer speaker series a few years ago that had Sean Wiltshire, um, I can't remember who else. There's a bunch of people, so they do speaking series. We haven't done anything in a while. COVID kind of messed things up, Yeah, um, but we're hoping to get back to it at, uh, at some point. Um, as a, the other... Interview. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, I, no, I was going to mention, MJ, we have a deaf and hard of hearing counselor on staff who helps our deaf population with uh, hearing aids and any kind of supports, and she also provides case management. So we're very, very involved with the, uh, with the deaf community as well. And then the last program is our, I wouldn't say the last, but uh, one of our more important programs is Mentorability, which Dave leads.
2: Well, thanks, Marcus. Uh, I've been just enjoying here sitting, listening to you, and Matthew. Like, we uh, <laughs> yeah. could hear all, uh, I'm <laughs> sure we could probably ha- have a, a series just on sort of really some stories. Yeah. Most of yeah. The, luckily, yeah. most of the stories uh, we come up with would have a happy ending. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about mentorability. Mentorability is uh, one thing about teamwork. I think, which is really important, is there is all these different programs, and there's been other programs since I've been there over the years. Because to be able to help a variety of people, you need a variety of tools. So having a bunch of different sort of programs and stuff like that that benefits the clients, because as we know, you know what, one size doesn't fit all and that model just does not work very well. So if you have a number of different sort of options uh, to go to when you come to an organization like uh, Teamwork, that's definitely gonna help. Mentorability is a bit of uh, a specialized program and there's two sort of components on it. There's a bigger piece component, and then there's a small piece. I'm not gonna spend much time on the big piece. The, uh, The big piece of it is it's a national program, uh, through the Canadian Association of Supported Employment. I look after Nova Scotia and uh, New Brunswick. And what we try to do is try and work with organizations to sort of increase their ability work, and comfort level working with uh, people with disabilities and also working with employers to become more comfortable working with people with disabilities. But, And I can go go into that maybe a, a bit later if uh, people have any questions around it. But what I would like to focus on is really more about the individual because we seem to be talking a lot about the individual sort of who comes, comes through the door. So what is MentorAbility? Well, MentorAbility is a program why we, where we try to assist people with disabilities in their career exploration. And the easiest way to sort of maybe say that is uh, use a bit of an example. A lot of people with disabilities maybe coming through school. They didn't have maybe the same amount of options as some of the rest of us as far as exploring the world of work. That's really important to have because there's expectations in that with the world of work. Um, Keith talked about, uh, you know, like going to university and that all of a sudden, October hits, boom, everything hits. Well, you know what? In the world of work, it hits day one. There's expectations. So what we want to do is be able to provide people with really good information, and the best way sometimes to get that information is to line up people for individuals with disabilities to talk to, particularly around careers. So if we had somebody that was coming in say that, "Well, oh, geez, I'd really love to be a computer programmer," okay, well, what are you good at? Well, Don't know a lot about it, but I know I'm good at computers. So I happen to maybe know that the person has difficulty uh, with multiplying two times three. Yes, I do. (laughs) So to be a computer programmer, you need to be really good at math. So I can say, well, you know what? You're never going to be able to do that. That's not right. People have a right to be able to make a decision for themselves. So why not set up? a meeting with somebody who is a computer programmer. And then they start talking about sort of, well, what are some of the skills in that? You need to be a computer programmer. Well, you need to be really good at math. Whoa, I don't even like (laughs) math. Okay, so now we can start taking a look at, okay, that individual is making a choice at that point, thinking, well, computer programming is not really probably what is going to be great for me. So then we can start looking at, looking at other things. And uh, I even know myself, when I, I uh, graduated from school, I became a machinist. It was all great in college, stuff like that. And then I went out into the workforce to do machining. I hated it. it was nothing at all like what, what I did at school. So what we wanna do is try to create these opportunities for people to talk to people who are in the actual sort of careers that they're interested in so they can make a choice themselves about is this something I really want to invest a lot of time and money
1: in going mm-hmm. into the future
2: that's it in a nutshell
1: yeah, yeah. I love and, the, I love the uh, career exploration piece to all that you know where because I think a lot of individuals we work with you know we can do career testing and career cruising and talk about the job but and they'll be like yeah yeah okay yeah I guess that sounds good but To be able to go in and see it, feel it, and talk about it is a completely different experience, that concrete, real practical experience. And it's so valuable for us to offer something over and above just our typical, like, I'm sitting at the cross at a table from you on the other side, and we're talking about a job to conceptualize that and to know, oh, yeah, that is something I want to do is really difficult for a lot of people. So to be able to say, hey, we can set something up and you can have that experience is really cool. Sorry, Matt, go
3: ahead. And I think it works in the opposite way, too, where there could be a career somebody thinks, I can't do math, I can't program computers, so I'll never be able to work in the video games industry. But if they get that opportunity to talk somebody in the industry, they could find out that, well, you know, there's a lot to the industry outside of developing the software for the game. We have a whole graphic arts department. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you don't need as much of the math skill. There's advertising yeah. departments. So yeah. there's a whole yeah. ecosystem around mm-hmm. the department of, that they're interested in that they could find out about through that experience too, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. like every job from social worker to dishwasher, there's so much devil in the details of what is really mm-hmm. like that you never get from school or the TV show.
1: So it's a very human way to handle things, right? Instead of me saying you can't do the job because ABC, you're allowing the person to explore it. And I, how how do I even know? I mean, even if the person can't add or, or they can't do this or that, how do I know they can't do the job? I may have never done it myself. I'm judging it from a piece of paper. So go see the professional. Maybe say, no, this part of that job isn't maybe aligned, but this part might be. So that dream continues, right? We're not dashing yeah. someone's, someone's I love... The the story I remember this, Dave. When I first um, was part of the Mentability program a few years ago, it was a young man with Down syndrome out in BC who wanted to be a wrestler. Oh yeah. And- <laughs> they set him up with a, a wrestler a yeah, awesome. took him in the ring and afterwards he's like yeah no that hurts i don't want to be yeah. a wrestler anymore <laughs> <laughs> but he became a manager he was the manager like this totally makes awesome. sense so now yeah. he's he still it didn't end up being a job but it's part of something that's made his life a lot more full and better is that he did yeah. work with this wrestler who he did the mentorship with and now he's like one of the managers that's the side of the ring so he's still fulfilling that dream of being part of the wrestle world, but he's not getting beat up in the ring.
2: It's really cool. What we need to do is just have good expectations for people. A lot of times uh, I work with a lot of youth with uh, disabilities who were coming out of school and that. Uh, they didn't necessarily have a lot of expectations on them when they were coming out. I don't think that yeah. helped them at all, because in the world world, uh, yeah. there are expectations. Um, you know, and like Keith said, uh, you know, like October hits and boom, you've got to be running in college that work with somebody who uh, tried to do the library services program and ended up in a disaster. They were like $15,000, $20,000 in, exactly. in the hole. Yeah. And the per- person actually started thinking about suicide. Yep, This stuff has real world sort of consequences in that. Yeah. But luckily that, that individual, uh, seen a, a job posting once and it was for uh, working in a law library and the law library was looking for somebody with a master's. Well kind of like how Marcus said job carving. Well he didn't have a master's but he had an interest so he went in and uh, they were willing to give him a bit of a try in that. And It ended up that he was brilliant. He uh, He had ADHD. He also had Asperger's but he could focus in on sort of sequences of numbers that were really important in the filings. I guess uh, that's important in a uh, legal library, I don't yeah. think. Oh, yeah. but he yeah. certainly did, but he was so good. He actually started picking out uh, lawyer errors and filings and stuff like that and how things were labeled and stuff like that. And as far as I know, it would probably be about 14, 15 years later, that individual was still employed.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. very cool. it's Go an ahead,
4: autistic man. trait the pattern recognition
1: yeah. it's
4: a very strong <laughs> autistic trait, and I can only speak from personal experience myself and everyone in my life that is autistic. We love to notice when someone is doing something wrong and tell them about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to and, and if it.
4: you're in the right environment, you know it it it's a good learning opportunity for everybody yeah.
0: so. <laughs> I wanna make a comment on that as well. There's there's a fellow that I'm coaching currently who actually was a former teamwork client. Um, and I've I know you guys have experienced this where they said, Oh, teamwork didn't do anything. Um, but in reality, the person who's coming in wasn't they, they didn't have it clarified enough for where they wanted to go. Um, and that's I, I wanted to 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 back that up. So this individual person had been a client of teamwork and now is working with me, you know the parent is voluntold the kid to come work with me, not, not, uh, not the other way around. But anyways, um, you know, they're, they're looking for jobs and if like this person, he's also, also on the spectrum, but he's looking for such a specific position. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's not like just what Dave said there are like, you can always read the lines in terms of what people will, uh, could hire you for. Right. So, um, so I, I asked him, like, go on LinkedIn, give me ten jobs or ten companies you want to work for. Showed up last week, nothing's done, right? And but he couldn't, he couldn't conceptualize as to why he was doing it. And I was like, so then, then I was like, racked my brain, like, what do I do now? okay, give me 10 companies you don't want to work for. And then boom, it's like, oh, I'm not working with this guy, I'm not working with this guy, I'm not working with this guy. I'm like, great. A list
1: of 100, yeah.
0: Yeah, list of 100, <laughs> and it just came off. And, and all I wanted was for for them to come up with a, a list of something that I could grab onto because what he doesn't know and what his mom didn't know when I, when, uh, I took him on was that uh, I have a bunch of buddies who are in the field way up in the field right like guys working for disney video game designers that are full-on had a guy that that went up against the creative of of, uh uh spider-man or no superman with a graphic novel that he designed right Mm -hmm. but but i'm like i'm not going to go and introduce you to that guy until you do the work right like you have to you have to do the work to get to where you need to be and once i do and i know and i can understand where you're coming from too then we can go and do something with this. Right. But if you come in and you're not willing to put the effort in, right. So that's another thing you often see is like, Oh yeah, I want a job. Okay. Here's the steps you need to take. Well, I'm not doing the work to do those steps. Right. Um, So, so that's one thing. And one other thing I wanted to point out too, was somebody was talking about wasting money in school. So another person I just did an intake with yesterday, um, the daughter, the mom like said, my daughter is functioning more at like a 12 year old level but she's 19 on a piece of paper she is currently doing uh she failed out of dalhousie last year this year she came in she's in five courses she's working 30 hours a week at tim hortons and taking five courses and obviously doing nothing right failing all of them and uh and i i was like i just met you on the phone but this is the deal at most if you fail out and, and this is the thing, the mom's saying, oh yeah, I, I wasted $10,000 last year, I'm into this semester for five grand, and I was like, holy, like, why are you doing this, right, like, why are you putting this, I, I'd hate to say, putting this girl through it, but I asked her point blank, I'm like, I, I got a question for you, in your family, um, and I, I assume the mom had money, because she's paying for everything, right, I said, in your family, how does it look, she's, she's like, well, she, this woman runs a big company, went to university. I said, did you you go to university? She says, oh, yeah. So did the husband. The younger siblings are like geniuses. One wants to be an engineer and whatever else. And this girl's just stuck in the middle. I'm like, why are you in university? Right? Like, it makes no sense to me, right? Not to not for me to like, take it away from her. But why are you there? Well, that's what's expected of me. And I was like, I know that story because everybody in my family also were university educated. In fact, um, like I tell the story, my, my dad's an accountant, my mom's a nurse and my sister has a PhD in behavioral genetics Um, and all my dad's friends and the people we grew up with, they all have PhDs. Right. And so I had this, this mystified thing in my head about what, what, basically the route that I was to go to and it was only university and that is the most delusional thing that a lot of people are putting in and I I hear it from high school students all the time I'm sure you do too Matt that I have to go to university because that's the way to go and I got my uh, stepson into uh, electrical school Uh, I just happened to be on the board with Skills Canada Uh, knew the guy that ran it got him into that and he's currently like wiring my next door neighbors like man shed right or man cave that's down on the lake there uh like to to no end and I was like the best thing you do go like I'm not saying for everybody but trades are amazing things to get into you know you come out when you're 21 making 40 bucks an hour you're buying houses and trucks and whatever you want right versus like messing around so there's all kinds of opportunities that people can can take advantage of both from a, a school perspective work perspective and then just in general, just getting connected to the community.
3: Yeah. And that's one of the big things I'm doing in the schools is trying to give students, teachers, families, that realistic information on not only what different jobs look like, but what do different industries look like in terms of what's the upcoming demand for work in an industry? And what are, what's the actual pay look like? Yes. Because a lot of, let's be honest, a lot of Kids especially before they figure out what they want to do with their life, they're like, "Well, I want oh, the job with the big money." Yeah. So everybody's thinking, "Well, oh, lawyers, lawyers make big money." Yeah. But if you look at like a starting lawyer versus a starting welder,
0: yes, yeah, the yeah.
3: welder starting higher. If you're looking at specialized welding, and, you know years up in experience, they're still making equivalent to. Mm-hmm just under partnered lawyer yeah the only time where really you see any gap is like well after you've put in 20 to 30 years you become a partner of a firm if you but if if you're like a crown prosecutor public defender i mean you're only ever going to cap out at that mid-range for the law income which is around 70 to 80 but if you do a specialized trade like underwater welding Well, you're looking at 200 to 300 a year. So trying to give them the realistic that like, because there's always that misnomer, like stereotype of like, well, the trades, they don't pay well. They pay okay, but they don't pay well. But really, they can pay really well, especially if that's where your strengths and your interests lie over this other thing
1: tons of in jobs street. in the trades too. I mean, well, there's probably tons of jobs for lawyers too. I don't think they'll ever go to oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. <laughs> oh, everyone needs a lawyer once in a while. But um the, the trades is is um there's just so many jobs that are available, and I don't think that's going to change anytime either. But that gets oh, me back the to what were saying around the self-determination, right? Like allowing people to decide for themselves what they want to do. Um yeah. and then supporting them and helping them reach that, reach that goal.
2: I think a lot of people too struggle with uh, things that they're not good at. And I always <laughs> like to use a bit, bit of an example. Okay. You have a pot of money. Okay. I absolutely suck at math. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm math, stuff like that. So I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on tutors and everything else. Wow. I got a 60. I'm passing math. I'm pretty psyched about that. But the person was pretty good at writing. Exactly. Now, if you took that same amount of money and you put it into supporting that person to absolutely excel at writing, which is the better investment? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But on on the math, you can use the same
3: example of the video game industry. That would be like, well, I'm not good at math, so don't get into coding. But the game has a whole script that has to be written of dialogue. There's multiple ways into where you want
2: to be. Sorry, Keith.
0: Absolutely not. No, no, it's all good. I wanted to mention something around the math stuff because I don't know how many people realize how wickedly tied math disability and ADHD Dyscalcula. are. calcula yeah. calcula I have it. I, I don't know, I think mm-hmm. you might too. But I guess
4: do. when I'm your cashier, I sometimes know what the color means and I, I just do like a guess where I think it this might be your change.
0: One of, the, one of the intake, big intake years I had was back in 28, yeah, 2019. I did a, uh, intakes with um, 104 students and I noticed a trend because I have a math disability. So I listen for things that sound familiar and it, I just started tracking. I'm like tick, 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 because I'm going down. Out of the 104 people, 102 of them had math disabilities. Right, and what's the biggest thing that they're pushing? Oh, you got to get through your math. Math is math is that. Even when I worked as a plumber, um even on my red seal, I remember doing this. I, I did all the work, skipped the math, and I was like, oh, I almost got it. I got sixty nine percent. I needed seventy to pass my first round. Unfortunately, I failed that. I got it the next time round. I got way higher, but but uh but. I, I used to always get busted on the job site for texting on the job. This is pre-smartphones and I didn't yeah. have anybody's texting. I yeah. was doing math on my freaking I, I couldn't I I couldn't retain from the tape measure to cutting the pipe. And so I just like put it on the calculator and carry it over instead of carrying an extra device, but I got in so much trouble for, for texting and kicked off. Oh, you're lazy or this or that. I was like, I'm not, man. I'm doing math, right? And the best that I can. <laughs> yeah.
3: so. I mean, that's the thing in schools as well as in employment is sometimes the unnecessary rigidity of process. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is, like, I'm actually not that bad at math when I can do it my way in my head. Like, if you give me my numbers, I can give you the answer. It will be right. Where I always struggled with math was I had to show it. Yeah. Show how I got there. I had to show it the right
0: way. The right Um, way. Exactly.
3: You know what I mean? And that's where it caused me a lot of problems. And I, I find, you know, employment places can fall into the same pitfall of having things be, having to be done this way when not necessarily that not necessarily being the only way to get the desired result that you want. Um, so helping employers realize that part too, sometimes it's, it's a, it's a challenge we're still working on.
0: So I I'm an employer and uh, my biggest issue is that I don't have very good processes, right? I don't know how to yeah. create, create processes, but it's so ironic that I said to Margaret, like, or no, it was uh, Tyler, I'm like, just give me a process, man. Yeah. Like of this yeah. new system, and I give oh. me a process, and he's like, I don't have one. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> and and Tyler does Tyler doesn't, or he needs processes too, apparently. Yeah. But uh, anyways, the uh, so one of the things just working with Kendra, for example, um, you know, I set it up. It was supposed to be like 20 hours a week, and I was like, okay, you work 8:30 to 12:30, right? And then, then uh, I noticed that I was getting, like, messages at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning uh, asking me things and text messages coming in weird times of the day. And I was like, well, that's different, <laughs> right? And I was like, hey, you, you don't have to work outside of your hours, right? You can stay in there. And she's like, well, actually, I'm best – I'm on my game at 3 a.m. And I was like, "Yeah. well, screw it. That's your time you're going to work. You just work whatever you freaking feel like it. I don't really care, right? And, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. How has that impacted you, Kendra? Just in terms oh, it's of
4: great. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Cause my, my Keith always wants to know what my process is. I'm like, I don't have it. I wait for it to see it in my head. And then once I see it, I can do it, but I have to wait for it to come. I don't have a process. It's like a frigging unicorn. But when, it, when it's here, then I'm like, Oh my God, I just wrote a novel. Look, it happened. <laughs> but you have to wait for the unicorn. It's yeah. very special. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I'm awake really early in the morning uh, and my brain only works for a little bit clearly. And then as the day goes on, it becomes harder and harder to think well. So I can't really be smart or creative unless it's,
3: yeah.
4: you know, yeah. before the sun comes up. I it, and I mean, I it-
3: how awesome is that, that you have an employee that's, Willing to let you work when you can give them your best, therefore, they get your best work. Um, And a lot of places need to consider the fact of, is this rigid process necessary? Or can I do it differently so that I'm not getting the process, but I'm getting the best work, which gives me the best results from my you know,
4: because the outcome is is the thing that you want right that's right. the thing that's important how you get there is not important that's arbitrary yeah and yeah. that is fresh frust- yeah. and that is frustrating don't because the, it's not necessary
1: don't look at the input look at the output right yes. Exactly. <laughs> output. and i find this it's a, it's a fascinating conversation because we're talking about it from a disability near diversity, you know ADHD perspective, but what we're talking about is good for everybody, right? Exactly. Like this is where the world is coming. It just reminds me, of like, you know, if we if we listen to persons with disabilities in particular, because that's what we're talking about, we could probably get way further ahead than 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 mm-hmm. that community. Always, t- I need this, I need that, and we're so rigid in making those things. When it took a pandemic to finally get, it, it's like, yeah, you know what? Those things that people were talking about, like less rigidity more flexibility mm-hmm. more supportive whatever it is let's start doing it it's like well some people have been saying that for years <laughs> exactly right? and here yeah. we are we're finally here right and there's there seems to be this shift to this more openness but you're talking about like teamwork we have a work from home day like two years yeah. ago I never would have happened right that never would yeah. have it was like yeah. well you gotta be crazy like the, don't even bring that up like that's just that's just nonsense and, and then it, after the pandemic it was like okay well of course it makes sense we've proven we can did it but yeah. it just goes to that universal design that we're all yes. trying to move to and um i think sometimes we just get of our own way and listen to the people that are bringing something be open to it at the very least and consider it we can move a lot faster and and uh become more become more universal universal for everybody
0: no 100 the uh Yeah. There's, there's so many things about it. Even when I hired Kendra, I didn't, I told her, I was like, I don't have a job. I don't have a job at the end of it. I can guarantee you that. Right. It was just like, Hey, I'll do you a favor. You got some funding. I've got an outlet, work on a couple of projects. We'll see where it went. So it started with copyright. Then it was like, Holy crap. This girl's awesome at communicating (laughs) and was actually coaching me through some uh, tricky times I had in the summer I was like, man, you should be a coach, right? And you've got a social work background. Would you do that? She's like, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll try it, right? And we didn't go full tilt. I, and like initially, Kendra's like, yeah, give me like 10 to 15. I was like, well, let's just ease into her,
4: right? Let's ease yeah, been... <laughs> see what <laughs>
0: happens, right? I, and I can't say I've done that before with Alana, my other coach. You know, I hired her also through grants, uh, not through teamwork grants, but some other ones, uh, another wage subsidy, but- I just threw to the fire. I basically sent her down to the States for training, gave her 25 clients. I'm like, see you later. I'm going to go do my 40 clients over here. But <laughs> uh, yeah, with Kendra, it started off like that. The, then I noticed like, whoa, you'd be an awesome coach. So that was the next step. Then uh, she started just, uh, yeah, writing grants and stuff for me. And uh, yeah, what did we do? Is grants and proposals. Yeah, we're just
4: going to do and, like a hybrid. It's a hybrid job, which is really yeah. great.
0: Mm-hmm. the proposal yeah. writing she got me in with that doctor dr pahar he was blown away it was like i i can i can make stuff up pretty easy with uh, when i get excited about something so i went and met this doctor i'm like here's this idea we're gonna do uh create this program and we're gonna do uh you do the diagnosis so this guy uh I'll do a little plug for him. Dr. Gurdit Pahar His clinics, uh, P a R H a R.com. He does ADHD diagnosis for 300 bucks with a nurse practitioner. And he can get them done in eight weeks. Can't get done anything like that anywhere in the province. And Matthew, just so you know, um, A lot of in the K to 12 system, you think that you need this psych ed in order to get in. You don't at the post secondary level. So, this $300 one is perfectly fine. It still gets them all the the, uh, things we need. I'll give you some information on that. But it started with that. And then I was like, you know what? The next thing that usually happens when you get a diagnosis is you get your diagnosis and maybe medication if you're lucky uh the guy local doesn't even give that anymore uh he sends you back to have it done with your doctor and we all know there's like 120,000 Nova Scotians who don't have a doctor so that creates a massive issue right um so we're creating like a basically creating a a 10-week program um to tackle specific things that happen with 80 adult adhd so uh the education on it uh talking about executive functioning uh how counseling can help uh sleep disorders and adhd uh talking about the various learning disabilities or barriers uh rejection sensitivity stuff everything it's all within a program and then there's also a peer perspective to it too so funneling them into like basically categorizing people. So funneling into like the high school students, the post-secondary students, career transition and the entrepreneurs. And as a matter of fact, the entrepreneurship one, I've been running that for a hot minute. And uh, uh, I do- I did it with Seed for years, it was all funded through Employment Nova Scotia. And then that kind of piddled out. They, they actually said that I was too niche to work with entrepreneurs. I'm like 400... 400- People with ADHD and neurodiversity were like 400 times more likely to work, be self-employed than to do anything yeah, else. Sure. So I started this little pilot project uh, back in March uh, that was intended to be like three months. And I was actually going to come back and uh, pitch it to you guys. And uh, but anyways, it just turned in this little family of all these people who have gone through these different programs, seed um CBDC, whatever the self-employment benefits programs, and and what we do is stuff with no outcomes, which is weird. Like, like it's like we roll in and we just go with it, just like we're doing today. As a matter of fact, we just kind of roll with it. If you got yeah. problems, we'll deal with your challenges. If you've got wins, celebrate your wins. We can all network together, uh, and so much so has gone well that Marcus' uh, uh, lovely wife, uh, Hannah. Uh, who also works at Teamwork, he got the whole family working there, uh, reached out last week and uh, asked me to come in and do that. And I said, listen, if I'm going to come in, I I can't hit these rigid outcomes, right? And she's like, great, you don't have to. And I'm like, holy crap, we're getting somewhere, right? We, we can kind of roll with the flow. So anyways, just yeah. as a final kind of wrap up, because uh, of course I run over as I'm Every sure, design. Marcus, you probably said, Hey, he said an hour, so it's easily going to be like four, but uh, let's try to wrap it up. So just on a parting note, um, just, uh, yeah, just to share uh, what we do for a parting note. Yeah, just can can each one of you just share like one of your favorite stories from your job, because this is the best part about being in the helping field. Just a, a quick story about a client you've had or an experience you've had with somebody. I know you shared a few, but. Just like a little parting, parting uh, thing to kind of inspire somebody who might be stuck that you've seen have got through the other end, and because uh, that's our that's the the best part about the helping profession is the the seeing the success on the other side. So, Dave, who what's your what's your favorite story? Um,
2: oh, I've got a lot of stories, but I'll I'll, I'll just. Uh one simple one this week uh one of the job developers at uh, teamwork uh, came up to me and said you know what i ran into somebody worked with 14 years ago and that person a lot of people thought would never be employed they're still employed in their job
0: so wow really,
2: that was really exciting to hear phenomenal yeah. how, about
1: yeah. how about you marcus um well, there's an individual that Matt and I worked with uh, for, for many, many years. He's, he hasn't been with us for five years, which is a good thing because he's been employed. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone that was really well known to teamwork even before I came on in 2008 that we worked with for many, many years. He had two degrees and two diplomas, very academically gifted, but really struggled with employment, mm-hmm. really, really struggled with employment and having realistic goals of what employment would look for him. and. I remember Matt and I had this breakthrough moment with him one day and we were talking to him about his goals and what he wanted out of life. And, you know, and I think earlier you talked about emotion. What are the important yeah. emotions? And Kendra, I think you may have said something that like interests, right? Like what their interests are, what their motivators are. And for him, his motivator was, um, to have a job that he felt was connected to one of his trades to, to keep his house that he was living in his um, uh, that um, his sister had set up for him, and to go to Jasper Alberta
4: oh, I love that, it there it's beautiful
1: okay so like that's that's totally reasonable yeah we can, we can make that happen, and we said, okay, well, if you did this job making this amount of money, this is connected to your trade um, you you're you'll be able to to reach all those goals, so we got him. Connected through a wage subsidy. He had a lot of employment practitioner support for quite a few years and the original sort of quite a few months. And the original job wasn't exactly what he thought was going to be connected to his trade, but we were able to get him into that. So get him inside to where he wanted to be. And he he started doing that. And then ever once that happened, he was like, I'm good. And he still does that job today. And the reason why it's kind of fresh in my mind, he's left me two messages very, very recently, five years later, thanking us for all the support and all the work that we did to get him and how much he appreciates the support that we all gave him and that he's still doing that job and how much it means to him. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. But that person had been with us for 10 years. Wow. A while to figure it out. Many jobs. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Many jobs in and out. In and out. Nope. We haven't figured it out. Come on back in. Let's let's get back at it. Come and on. you know, a lot of people in the community had given up. Unemployable, 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 yep. unemployable. Right. Which we, we hear a lot, especially with some of the individuals we work. With, we're like, no, we'll just keep at it, man. It's a lifelong journey sometimes. And we eventually figured it out. And he is so, so grateful. That's and amazing. it's just cool yeah it's super cool
0: yeah that i was just talking on that the a lot of the kids think that they're going to come out of school they got to pick one thing and they're going to yeah. go in and have it one job their entire life i had yeah. 50 jobs no word of life 50 <laughs> by the time i was 24 and so, like i said i won't repeat my gestures but how i left most was like through <laughs> you i walk yeah. to the next one and the burning bridges left right and center yeah, yeah. um I learned about the gratitude uh, way later in life. Being nice yeah. to people. This is why I still get to hang out with you guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Uh, yeah, be nice. Um,
4: be
0: nice. Be nice. Yeah, that's the thing. Actually, there was a guy when I first first started when I was uh, touring around the province, going to all the community colleges and checking in with uh, with uh, Nova Scotia Works. I said, "What? What?" what would it take for me to be successful and be able to work with you guys on a on a regular basis and they said just when you say you're going to show up show up and yeah. and if we and if you do something with us say thank you and that has been my mo- is pretty freaking simple motto It was but it's not my motto but that's all it is and if you just yeah show up be nice and say thanks People will go out of their way to help you,
1: right? It'll be a long way. That'll take you a long way. A long way. I hear you. So what about you, Matthew?
0: What's, uh, what have you got for one of your favorites?
3: Well, I could just jump on Marcus's, but um, I'll use a different one. Um, I think one of my favorites, I had a gentleman, and I, it's one of my favorites because it just highlights that, like, sometimes the right move isn't to stay or to keep something just because the expectation is success. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a gentleman who had been working in a fast food industry for about five years. He had a lot of natural inbuilt supports through his brother who was also there, who had moved on and was doing his engineering degree in university, management had changed over and he would just been getting reduced, 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 less shifts, less shifts. So basically he was coming in one day a week to clean the grease trap for two hours and being sent home. Um, So I went in, I assessed the place. I had many, a couple conversations with him. Um, It was a bit scary for him, um, but my advice for him was to, you've been here for five years, way longer than the average for the industry. It's time to move on. You've got experience and you have skills. You could be successful somewhere else. Um, and he was. We connected him to a warehouse that does refurbishment of electronics. Um, he stayed there for five years until they downsized due to market demands um, and laid off about two-thirds. Um, and now he's currently works for a large grocer chain. Um, but since that experience, he stayed, consistently, continually employed. Um, And he's never left a job due to, you know, deficiencies on his end. Every employer he's had since has appreciated and loved him to death. He's a hard worker, super friendly, bubbly personality all the time. Um, But he and his family both got stuck in a rut that we can't quit something or we can't leave something because he'll never get something else. Yeah. <clears throat> we can't afford to have him fail because of that stigma of disability and failing. And so it's one of my favorites because it highlights that yeah, we can fail at things and learn from them and then be more successful than ever before through that experience. So amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. the failure thing is failure is just a step. I'm, I'm a failed techpreneur, I'm a failed plumber, I'm a failed all kind of stuff. It's good. Yeah. You gotta fail because then once you fail, you get through the the stuff that comes after it. I, I don't like that part, <laughs> the, yeah. the down depression line. But once, every time, like my company almost went under a couple of years ago, do a really bad hire, bad decision on my part. And uh, and I went off the rails. I was barely functioning, uh, couldn't get much done. And my dad swooped in. My dad's an accountant. Uh, he swooped in to take my books, which apparently I've been doing wrong for eight years up to that point. So, so it took him two years to undo it. But at one point in time, he just said, uh, he's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep going? Or are you going to quit? And, uh and I was like, at that point I wanted to quit. He's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I was a truck driver. Like when I was in my twenties, I kind of liked that. And I was like, he's like, so you're just, you're, you're not just going to be a truck driver. There's nothing wrong with it. Truck drivers make up. A- of cash, too, and honestly, it's pretty badass job. You get to drive all over and get paid. It's
4: pretty, <laughs> right. badass, job. Yeah,
0: pretty badass, however, I, I can't be a truck driver because I'm addicted can't to this thing now. And uh, I'd be probably off the road within two seconds checking my uh, my uh, LinkedIn and see what was going on. But uh, but no, I just thought about it. I was like, man, I got all this experience and all these years put in. Are are you really just going to quit? And that's the one thing I can say about people with uh, ADHD is, and and just, I guess, the human nature in general. But we get knocked down left, right, and center. And I can speak. I'm speak from personal experience, man. I was told by my principal that it didn't matter what I did in life; it'd always be a failure. Mm -hmm. I was told by the university of Victoria that based on my grades, there's no way I'd succeed in academia. I was told by Um, uh, plumbing school or when I was in plumbing that I was horrible at it because I could never remember the code Um, you know it goes on and on and on and then and then all of a sudden I was told one positive so I was going to say I was told uh, by uh, the Kelowna Okanagan Community College that hey don't worry about you want to do this coach thing if you come work with us you're going to work in a group home in a community workshop there's no way around it Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, well, I don't want to. I want to do this coaching stuff. And I finally landed at NSCC up in Truro, Nova Scotia from Kelowna, came all the way out here, showed up 10 minutes late for my appointment, met this woman named Joy Larusik, who was a disability resource facilitator. And I told her what I want to do. And she's like, Keith, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Anything I can do to support you, we've got your back, and I was like, Uh, what? <laughs> like, pardon, and all. And immediately, I phoned home, I'm like, Dad, I'm moving to Nova Scotia. He's like, You know, if you're going there, you never come back. I'm like, Thank God, right? Because that <laughs> he wasn't a good spot for me. Uh, but I came out here and I got all that support, and I've got support the whole way through, so I'm now coming full circle with Dave. Um, I get to mentor somebody who was a mentor to me of sorts, like Susan, uh, rope or Kilbry Roper who had the empowerment connection is now in the go 3d. And she's like, can you mentor me? And just finally, I just want to talk, uh, Kendra. Have you got any mm-hmm.
1: stories? Because I didn't mean to skip over you. I just started talking. Oh, that's <laughs> that's a cool story though, Keith. That's a really cool story. I don't think I've known you for ten years. I don't think I knew that NSDC part. Oh so, yeah, no, it's been, cool. I don't think I and knew that. Joy
0: runs the Achieve program of all things, right at the IT campus where a ton of mats probably it. some of your clients are going to go. Um, I'm sure you guys have had Achieve people coming through. Um, but yeah, she's done some yeah. coaching for me too, and everything else. So yeah, cool. that's cool a true awesome. story. So yeah, Kendra,
4: I had to do a uh, a discharge one. I I was a social worker um, in an addictions program through the health authority, but it was like in a house, like in the community. We run the house, you know, come through early stage recovery, live in the house, do all of our counseling and stuff, whatever, blah blah. So it's like a living with someone. I spent more time with them than I did with my husband, actually. I was always there. And I, um, because I had to follow an arbitrary rule, that didn't make any sense. I had to do a discharge uh, with someone who she was doing so well. And I knew that if she left, what was going to happen to her? And I was rushed. I was devastated. Um. And we have to pretend that you're not devastated because <laughs> you're not allowed to have feelings. Um, so my coworker actually helps with the discharge because I I had to take a walk. And then she, I'm helping her load her stuff in the car, right? And I was just, no, I've known, like, we I've been living with her for several months. And I knew what was going to happen the second that she drove away. And I felt so bad. And I I gave her a hug. And I said, you know, please, like, Please be well and take care of yourself, and don't don't give up on yourself because that this has happened. And she gave me the world's best hug, and she said, uh, she said Kendra, you you saved my life, and you are the best part of my day. And it was an she just gave me a hug and said, I'm going to be okay. She got in her car, and I never saw her again. Um, But that meant um, that meant the world to me, actually. And I hope that she. I hope that she is okay. But uh it's been a long time ago that I've seen her. So
1: that's awesome. Beautiful share. Yeah, beautiful for share. Yeah,
0: so, sure. so uh so Marcus, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh you can email us. Uh you can catch us on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and oh, I'm missing one, Instagram. Mm-hmm. uh so yeah. there, <laughs> uh, You can go to Nova Scotia Works Online. Teamwork is there as well. Uh, and you can give us a call at 422 8900. Do you know that the only. In our website. Oh, sorry. In yeah. our website, Teamwork, website. Teamworkcooperative.ca.
0: Don't forget about that. Perfect. The only phone number that I know by heart is yours and my childhood <laughs> phone number is there. if you do want to reach uh, us at advocacy uh you can check us out at advocacy.org so it's a capital a-d-d in the lowercase dot org. little play on words there uh or you can book a, a call with me i do like a 45 minute free calls and we can It's my favorite day on Monday. Shoot the breeze with me at just a calendly.com forward slash advocacy, all the links. And I actually put all your guys' LinkedIn and uh, uh, contact information in the chat. So uh, we'll go from there. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, all the links will be in the chat.